0: welcome back to footwork a podcast for those who dream big never settle and make their own path i'm sean
1: and i'm dylan together with guests we share stories and tips every monday to educate inspire and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers
2: better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way welcome to footwork
0: Savannah DeMello is an American professional soccer player for Racing Louisville FC in the NWSL. After having a standout college career at USC, Savannah was drafted fourth overall in the 2022 draft. As a rookie, Savannah started in all 22 regular season matches, logging the most minutes of any Louisville field player and finishing first in the NWSL for chances created and fouls won. She has also had success with the US Youth National Team, winning the 2015 CONCACAF Women's U20 Championship and was a member of both the 2016 and 2018 U20 World Cup. Savannah earned her first senior team call-ups in September and October 2022. In this episode, Savannah talks about embracing the chance to learn, having a balance with soccer, getting through a bad injury, her first season as a professional, her experiences with the youth and full women's national team, and her appreciation for everyone that has helped her get to this point. This is A Chance to Learn with Savannah DeMello. So Savannah DeMello, welcome to Footwork.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: We always start with the make your own path question, which is the motto here. So as someone who's really stepped and made the most out of their opportunities in the professional soccer game, what does making your own path mean to you?
2: That's a good question. Um, I think making your own path means just kind of doing things solely based on like what's best for you and like your development. And I think nowadays there's so many coaches, trainers, like parents that try to give you input on like what they think you should do where they think you should play. But I think at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for yourself. And yeah. I think only you truly know that know in your gut. And I think the sooner you can get to know yourself, the sooner you can follow that gut and um, kind of leads you to where you need to be, what you need to do. Um, and I think that truly can set up, set you up for your journey and set your path. So I think just, kind of going with your gut and just like going with what you believe in.
0: Brilliant. Now, who are you? Where were you? And where are you going? Ooh. Start off with a bang.
2: <laughs> I mean, I would just say I'm a soccer player playing. I'm like my second year in the NWSL. Um, I had my rookie year last year, so I'm kind of got my feet wet in the league. Um, Had a good season, but now, that's who I was but I think now I want to kind of make more of a statement and make more make my name a little bit bigger um like I'm a little bit older now I want to make sure I'm leading by example and just continuing to grow my game hopefully making national team um we have a World Cup coming up this year then we have Olympics so just trying to make those rosters and I think that's who what's the last one
1: where are you where going where are you going yeah
2: Yeah, I think I'm just going to make decisions based on like where I can improve my game, whether that's in the NWSL here in Louisville, um, whether it's overseas, just doing things where I can keep improving my game because I want to keep playing this sport for a long time.
1: Now, you mentioned something in the make your own path answer about knowing yourself and using that to make your own path. And I think that's such a key thing. What's kind of been your process with that? Was that something you were kind of able to find within yourself at an early age to know that this is what you wanted to do. And what was, what was your relationship with that going forward?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I'll talk about my dad a lot in this, probably because he's obviously him and my mom have been like my biggest supporters through all of this, but my dad a little bit more because he knows soccer and he was my coach growing up. Um, So I remember I was like a freshman in high school and he sat me down. He's like, you know, like, this is kind of the age where, you either really want to like take your game to the next level or you kind of just want to do this for fun. And he's like, I think you're such a good player and I think you can like go pro and I think you can play college, but you just have to make the decision kind of now and like start developing your game. So I knew at like that moment, I like still have a little piece of paper. Like we wrote down like goals, we wanted to set and like, and that was kind of the day I decided like, Oh, I want to like really put everything I have into soccer and like kind of make this a lifestyle for myself. Um, so I think having my family know that that's what I wanted to do while also knowing like in my gut, that's truly what I wanted to do, um, made it a lot easier for me and like sacrificing a lot. Um, and yeah, I think it just kind of set my mindset for like going to college for soccer and then going pro after. Um, but I also think like you change a lot as like you go through high school and college. And then when I got my injury, and I think that also helped me kind of get to know myself outside of, like, the soccer world and, like, truly mm-hmm. who I was a soccer.
0: And staying on your dad, um, first off, what is his background? And, and what are some of the biggest lessons you've taken from him? And how, how has he helped you unlock your full potential physically and mentally?
2: Yeah, um, so my dad was born in Portugal, um, Portuguese. He was born in the Azores, and then he moved here when he was 17. And he's played soccer his whole life. Um, Played a little bit of semi-pro, I think, out in Portugal. Um, But yeah, he's just taught me, I think, you know, living in Europe, soccer, football is like just another, it's like a lifestyle. And I think he truly showed me that soccer isn't just a hobby. It should be like a lifestyle. And if you really invest in it, it can be like your life. And I think um, I've turned it into my life. I mean, I do it as my job now. So I think he just taught me that at an early age. And we have a a great relationship. And I think it's sometimes hard when your dad's your coach because sometimes you're like, oh, I want my dad. I don't need my coach right now. And I think Mm -hmm. we learned that balance of a relationship super early on. And I think it just helped me tremendously um, having him on the sideline at every single one of my games, coaching me. Um, I know girls have like trouble with like coaches growing up and like kind of can steer them away from loving the sport. And I think I just had like honestly the best coach and like best supporter on my sideline helping me grow like every day so
1: and you mentioned this relationship between soccer as a job and then also I mean this was your dream and your passion I think it's such an interesting relationship because as it goes on it can become quite stressful in, in in these times because it does become your job so yeah. how have you been able to kind of adapt to that to to still understand in those stressful situations when it feels more like a job that really like i'm living out my dream
2: yeah i mean i think that's something i'm still learning to do to Mm. this um but i really try to like go to practice and like like because we are at the facility from like nine to like two and then after training is over and like i've had my meetings and i've kind of debriefed with my friends at the facility i try to come back and like i'll watch soccer but like i don't like to talk about my soccer i don't like to like revolve my life outside of the facility around soccer because then i think i'll just drive myself crazy because we play soccer every single day here and if i have a bad training and i think about it for the rest of the day i know it's just gonna lead me to having a bad training the next day and then the next day so i think it's like a really hard bounds to figure out, okay, I am a soccer player and this is my life, but I also am so much more than a soccer player. Like you're a person, you have other hobbies, like you have friends who are outside of soccer. So I think just like creating a healthy relationship with soccer is something that I've learned Mm -hmm. over the past couple of years.
0: And let's start with the now, uh, With the now your second season with racing Louisville is finally coming to, uh, to a start. The season's beginning. How would you describe your personal goals for this year and the team's goals?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll do team goals first. Um, We want to just improve from last year. I think we were were a super, super young team last year. Um, I think we came ninth out of 12th in the league. So I think we're just trying to make that playoff spot, which is the top six teams. Um, And I think that's just going to come with us improving each and every game. We're a really hard team to beat, but I think, with us it's this we have trouble scoring so I think we're really working on like that attack final attacking third um putting our chances away and just focusing on the details and I think if we can do that then we can be a playoff team so that's the team goals and then personal goals is just to keep playing well like I said I had a good rookie year last year and I just want to keep improving like I don't want that to be the highlight of my career was oh she had a really good rookie year but like didn't really do much any other years. So just want to keep improving, scoring goals, assisting, helping the team in any way I can, whether that's playing my position, playing out wide, center, whatever, like whatever the team needs me. I just want to kind of be an asset for them. And then just hopefully making national team camps. And yeah, those are my goals.
1: Have you changed your approach at all this preseason?
2: approach and what what in what what do you mean
1: I guess just in terms of I mean so first year you're coming in there's a lot of learning things and and learning opportunities and after having a great year like you know you said the second year trying to capitalize on that have you kind of changed your training your preparation brought things into your game that brings you to the next level
2: yeah I mean from like last I'll say like last preseason I was coming in trying to just learn as much as possible and I was like, I just kind of want to use this year to learn. And I said that a lot in, like, interviews last year. I was like, I want to learn. And, like, whatever the team needs me, like, I'll, I'll do it. And then, like, I went – I started, like, almost every game. So that kind of, like, that went – that totally, like, what I thought was going to happen totally switched. So yeah. this year I'm kind of going in with more, like, putting more pressure on my back, I think, of, like, I want to help the team – I want to improve my game, improving in details. And I think it's just made me better because I know now like I'm like the team relies on me. I rely on the team. So just kind of taking my game to the next level was like huge for me during this off season training, just little things like working on opening my body up to the field, taking my first touch forward, things like that.
1: And you just mentioned you're putting a little more pressure on yourself to be able to perform and to grow. Do you feel any added pressure from the outside? Because after a strong rookie season, like you said, the expectations may not be that high from the outside, but a second year player who's had a strong rookie season, there might be a little bit more. Do you feel any of that external pressure?
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, I think there always will be. I like, I try not to read things, but then I do read things on like Twitter and all that stuff. So there's definitely a lot of external pressure, but I try like me and my team are super close. So we had a talk where like, we just want to focus on like what's in this room and like, the people in this room, not about like external factors and all those things. But yeah, to your point, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. But I think when you have good people, good teammates, good support, like you can rely on them and just makes it a little bit easier.
0: Yeah. And and speaking on pressure, uh you were drafted fourth overall in the 2022 NWSL draft. Did you feel um pressure coming into the season being such a high draft pick?
2: Um I I did. I did. I felt pressure that, like, oh, they, like, expect a lot of me. And then I remember when I came in, we had a, a pretty stacked midfield. And I remember being like, oh, okay, like, not like, oh, I'm – I still competed, and I was like, but I know there's, like, good midfield. There's, like, good competition. So I just was like – after that, I kind of understood that. I was like, oh, I just w- I want to learn from these players. I want to get better, and I want to compete. So I kind of went from being like, oh, all this pressure to – Oh, I have so much to learn here. I'm gonna learn here and I want to grow.
0: Can you walk us through that moment of being drafted and did you have any prior knowledge of where you might end up?
2: Ooh, so the draft here is really interesting. Um, I finished my season at USC I think in November and right when that happened, I got my agent. It was like very quick. Like literally the next day I got my agent and then he's like, "Okay, Like, once the season's over, I'm going to start talking to coaches, and we'll kind of see where you're at. And then I didn't hear from him for a while, and I was like, okay. And our draft was December 19th. And I swear, I think he texted me, like, three days before. He's like, oh, you're going to go here. And I was like, oh, like, how do you know? Like, I thought people found out, like, when they were watching the draft. Yeah. Oh, I just know. And then he texts me the next day. He goes, wait, someone traded for this, so you're now going here. (laughs) And I'm like – Okay, and let me tell you, it was like two completely side different sides of the world. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and the night of, he's like, okay, you are for sure going here at this at the fourth pick, and I'm like, oh wow, okay. And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. So be ready when it's the fourth pick. Like, have your family there, like celebrate. I'm like, okay. So the draft <laughs> is going. Um, we were in my bonus room and my dad like takes pride in our like bonus room. He like puts all his soccer stuff, all my sister's soccer stuff and like all my soccer stuff. Um, have you guys seen it? I, it's a, I haven't,
1: but when you I say haven't. bonus room, is it like a, it's like a trophy room kind of thing.
2: It's like a, it's like a big video game room that we use, but then he made okay. it into there of like soccer accomplishments. Oh no,
1: I have to see this.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. I can, I can send you guys a picture. It's like, please. So, like a little video. It's it's kind of okay. cool, but um, yeah. And then my whole family and like my good friends were in there. And then they said, yeah, the fourth pick going to Louisville is de mello And then like the video went on, and it was like me and my family like cheered, and then had fun the rest of the day. Yeah, you know, we went out to dinner, and like a bunch of family and friends came over, and we just like celebrated. So super fun.
1: And like from um, the expectations to like that moment. I mean, you know, wanting to be a pro for years, like. Did it just feel like this was the made it moment?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because you feel so much like relief. I think Mm -hmm. that like, hey, like I mean, I got injured and we can go into that later. But like I was like, wow, like I was injured. I came back like I actually did it. And then literally an hour later, like I got a call from like James, who's like our manager, who was our manager and like a couple of the coaches. And I was like, oh, now it starts like a new chapter starts literally tomorrow like i need to start preparing tomorrow so but i think that's what makes soccer so fun it's like you have your highs and then you want to when you get there you want more you set more goals for yourselves to Mm -hmm. go even higher so
0: and you mentioned you went into to the season with uh, the mindset of just wanting to learn what do you feel were the biggest learning points in the first months with the team
2: Ooh, i would say I the the thing I learned very quickly and I think for a good reason was the amount of touches I take on the ball. Like I'm a dribbler and like I'm an attacking mm-hmm. man. I like to go forward, but I think I was like in college I could take like three touches before I actually went forward. It's like I just had so much more time on the ball, and I think in the pros I had literally not any time at all. So I was a lot more um like cautious, cautious with like my touch and like made it more me my mean my touch is more meaningful so Mm -hmm. like my first goes forward instead of going backward to go forward that makes sense
1: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely
2: just the physical side i think was like a big thing i'm like five four i'm not very tall i'm not very like strong but um so just kind of getting a little bit more scrappy in that way but i learned that very quickly and i think that's how Like that's why I was, was able to be so successful or like as successful as I was.
1: And how about the balance of it all? Because you go from university where you're balancing, not just soccer, because soccer isn't really year round. I mean, you have the spring season, but it's not the same in terms of how much effort and time you're putting into it, but you're balancing things like school and friends. What is, how have you kind of approached it now that, like we talked about, it is your job, but it is kind of the thing that you have to spend the most time around and devote your time to.
2: Yeah. I mean, I love Louisville and I'm not trying to like bash in any way, but I do think it helps being in a smaller city too. And Mm -hmm. so like, it really does feel like a place of work because, but like also like I have places I can go to dinner, but like also my family isn't here. So it's not like, I just think that makes such a big difference when you move to a different city And it's like now it's like my place of work. So I go to the facility, I do my training and I all that. And then I come back to my apartment and I have like my friends and we just hang out, rest our bodies because we know the next day we have more work. So I think it limits a lot of the distractions that go with like living in a big city, living close to your family, your old college friends, all that stuff. But um, yeah, that answers the question. I kind of
1: went off a little bit. No, absolutely. I mean, and then just speaking on, like, going to work and performing that first year, um, I think there was a few times where you came off the bench in the Challenge Cup, and then you kind of really took your chances as starting and never looked back. So starting 22 regular season matches, which was the most of any field player on the team, and then you also finished first in NW- NWSL in chances created and fouls one, so we can kind of see that creative 10 playmaker spot 100%. So speaking a little bit on it, because you mentioned that you didn't think it would happen like that. I mean, what was your expectations and then to have this kind of breakout season right away? What did it feel like?
2: Yeah. I mean, um, so I kind of knew early on, I was like, okay, I'm not a starter. I wasn't going to start. So I was just like learning, like I said, learning from the midfielders, um, trying to improve my game with like my physical side, my touches, um, all that stuff. And then, um, when I got a chance, I think I just ran with it and I just think because I had been working so hard and like not letting, because you know the mental game can get so like, you can get in your own head so much when you're not starting, you're not on the starting team, you're kind of helping the starters whether that's being like you're playing a different formation, you know what I mean? Just like mm-hmm. trying to help the starters and I think that can get so in your head but I never let it affect me and I just took it as like you need to keep learning just in case you get a chance. Like you don't want to like waste these past two months because you've been upset that you're not starting, you know? And at the end of the day, it's about the team, not about yourself. So I start the, I think I started my first game against Kansas and it was because of an injury. And then someone got injured and they were playing the six Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm a 10, but I, played that position. And I did really, really well. And I killed it. And I like took the opportunity. Like I said, I ran with it. And then I think that was kind of what jumpstarted everything. So I think the mental side of it all makes it so much like if you can handle the mental side of it, you're on the on the field, it helps so much.
0: Right. And that speaks to to being prepared for the opportunity whenever it comes. Very Mm -hmm. often it, it happens like you in your case, where someone gets injured, you you have a chance. And when you take that chance and run with it, it's, I mean, sky's the limit in that case.
2: Yeah. And I think it helped having like soccer wasn't my only. like, I mean, it is my job and it's the biggest part of my life, but I also had like good friends. Like I have some, some of my best friends are on this team. Like I still had, even though I wasn't starting those first three months, I still was having the best time here. And I still loved soccer. Like I wasn't upset. I wasn't like, Oh, I don't want to play anymore. Like that stuff like i had good people around me and i think that just makes it so much better
1: yeah i agree i mean it's so crucial because as athletes we can it's easy to fall into that slip and that that notion of becoming obsessed with the whole thing and of course there's times when we are obsessed and that's good and when you channel it it's good but often if you're obsessed and things aren't coming or reciprocating on the field like you think they should or think you deserve then you're not put in that great mindset where, like you said, you're in a great mindset outside of the game. And I think that probably had to help you just be ready to, to to face anything when it came.
2: Oh yeah. And it's like, it's like any relationship, like you, there has to be like a balance of, of everything. Like, I don't know. And I just think because I was so happy, like outside of soccer, because I was enjoying it so much. It made me enjoy soccer when I was on the field even more. And I mean, that's when I play my best, is when I'm enjoying it, having fun. And yeah, so.
0: Speaking of that, what are some things you like to do outside of the game?
2: I'm a huge shopper. I mean, I like to go shopping. It kind of helps that, like Louisville doesn't have the biggest malls here. So I've kind of been able to not shop as much, which which is good for me, but I like to shop um i like to be outdoors so like me and my friends go on like a lot of walks we walk to coffee shops like Mm. we try to go to different coffee shops all the time nice called quills here that we're like obsessed with so you guys
1: guys sponsors or sponsored by them yet or
0: looking for a sponsor
2: (laughs) that's a subject but (laughs) no
1: (laughs) this moment is brought to you by quills
2: (laughs) we go to quills or we went to quills all the time like made friends with the baristas, we're like, oh, they're for sure gonna sponsor us. They didn't. So now we have a new sponsor called Hein Heine Bros. So their coffee's great too. So I'm to to leave quills behind and I think start moving towards our sponsor, Heine Bros. But (laughs) what a name.
0: What a name is right.
2: (laughs) Heine bros. Yeah, like to go like to coffee shops. We like to go out to dinners like all the time. Um Things like that. And when we have like weekends off, we go to Nashville because it's like an hour and a half away. Mm. Mm, Yeah. Those are some of the things I like to do. I'm starting to get into reading, I think. But I
1: think, I think, I
2: think think it's because I just finished college and I had to do so much reading for college. So I'm kind of Mm -hmm. like, I
1: have to take a break.
2: Yeah. Yeah. In a couple months, I'll get back into it.
1: But I get that though. I get that. Yeah um you spoke just speaking a little bit about off-field balance and bringing that on field there are some things that we mentioned before that can sometimes disrupt that balance and that's the press that's these tweets or instagram comments or all these things so you kind of mentioned sometimes or here and there you might fall into the trap of of reading things and we had a player on mile corbos who plays here in germany who said sometimes it's the good press as well that's can can be just as effective because you know you're concentrated on that and you're so happy to attach yourself to that so when you don't see it it can become quite like that balance disruptor so can you speak a little bit more about your relationship with this and kind of the off field comments that come with you just in your performance
2: yeah i mean something my dad's always taught me is like don't get too high on the highs and don't get too low on the lows and just kind of staying in that middle consistent area because i Mm -hmm. think like you said if you get too high on the highs like you're just kind of going to get a little bit too like in your head too big of a head like it's never a good look and then if you're too low on your lows then it kind of just affects you just as much so i think that can go same with the tweets like read the super great tweets about yourself and don't read the super not good like i just try to read the team the team stuff and i think that's helped me a lot Like anytime I see something specifically about like Savannah and DeMello, I try not to read it. Mm -hmm. I'll read like racing Louisville as a whole. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Right, right.
1: And and I'm sure like the the off-field balance and having the circle that you have can be humbling in a way because it brings you out of that and you're not just always associating yourself as Savannah DeMello, the soccer player, and like that becomes the entire identity. I think that's also a tough thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I've met my like some of my two best friends were on are on this team. And but we also like I don't think we ever talk about soccer to like we watch soccer and we talk about like that kind of soccer and we'll watch film together. But like I was joking with one of them the other day. I'm like, I always forget you're my teammate. Like genuinely forget you're my teammate because we do so much stuff outside of soccer together that I think you're, like, I just think you're, like, family now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then That's my younger great. younger sister, yeah, I'm super close with. And they both play soccer, too. But still, like, I always forget, like, my middle sister, Michaela, I'm like, I forget, like, you're in college playing soccer. Like, sometimes I forget to ask, how is your game, you know? Because I think we have so much other things to talk about, like, such a bigger relationship than just soccer. But soccer is a, like, it is a like we do talk about it but it's not like the biggest part of our life our relationship
0: that's great that's a great balance and and to have that relationship too with a teammate but mm-hmm. they're not your teammate they're a friend that you happen to be on the same team with i think that's there's yeah. a big difference with that and i can definitely attest to that with with previous teammates and and friends that i would say now
2: yeah exactly.
0: and speaking on the the US youth national team time you had some success there as well you played u14 15 18 and u20 and you won two U twenty World Cups uh, as well as no. U twenty. Conc- didn't win, nope. didn't
1: win to play to, Excuse U-20, me, World excuse Cup. me.
0: <laughs> and won the Concacaf Championship in U twenty. Uh, <laughs> how integral was that for for your career and experience, or maybe seeing the professional side of the game, or prior to becoming a professional, you saw the level of of quality of players.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it just helped me mature so quick, and like I got to see soccer at like the biggest, like kind of the biggest stage at a youth level and just made me hungry for more, more of those moments. I wanted to be around that more. And it kind of happened around high school. I was kind of getting all that exposure and I was like, oh, like, hell yeah, this is what I want to do versus like what everyone else is doing back home. So it kind of just helped me stay on my journey and like made me, I'm like, yeah, these are the decisions I'm going to make because that's the path I want to be on. So I think the youth like national team is just like it just helped me so much and i learned so much from so many different coaches and i'm playing with girls from all around the world against girls like who live in france and i just think it took my game to the next level um i went to my first 20s i think i was 16 and all the girls were like 19 20 so me and like mal you guys know mal pugh obviously Mm -hmm.
1: of course yeah
2: was on my team too ashley sanchez like emily fox we were all younger players on that U-20 team and I mean I didn't have a huge role on the team but I learned again so much from the players from being in that being in a World Cup environment like I was 16 and I left home for like a month and a half in Papua New Guinea like it just helped me grow so much so by the time it was for my U-20 age group and we went to the World Cup like I was just I already felt like a veteran in that environment and I just felt like I was able to Um, Kind of thrive in that just because of those past experiences.
1: And playing at this level, the U.S., you know, the 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 national team that encapsulates pretty much the highest level you can play at in the youth. Mm -hmm. And you played at very high levels in college and, and and youth, I'm sure as well. But what was that balance like to kind of have that competition and then come back maybe into club or high school or college soccer and still one remain humble because you're playing at such a high level, but two also push yourself in this level that may not be as competitive at the level you just were.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I I always talk to my dad about this because I do think it is hard because like, I don't want to like necessarily be rude. And like, if the level isn't the same, like getting on players in like a a rude way, but I think there's a balance with that. And I think when I came back as much as I would like focus on my details, I would in like a positive way, like try to up the level back at the college level club in a positive way and I think my personality is in no way loud and like mean so I kind of just would bring like myself like how I would do things back to my club environment and like try to up the level Mm -hmm. and kind of make like lead in my own unique way right
1: and how do you feel that kind of benefits your game like how have you seen your game grow in terms of when your goal is to help other people get better? How has that improved your own game?
2: Oh, I think it's funny. When I got injured, I think I grew the most within that year of not playing because I, all I was doing was watching like my teammates and like doing film and doing scouting reports and all that. Like I learned so much because I think it it gives you a different point of view in the game. And I mean, I just think watching soccer is so important. So if I can like help other players around me, it's only going to make me better, first of all. And then it just gives me a different perspective of the game, I think.
0: And speaking of that, when you were doing these scouting reports while you were injured, have you stuck with that and still use that to this day?
2: I, I have, I don't do it as often, but, um, Whenever I like, I don't do it like as often as I used to, but I'll watch games and I'll do different scouting reports on them and like put them on my notes app. And I still kind of keep that from here and there. And it still helps me a lot. Or my dad has like a lot of little club teams back at home. So I'll watch his club games and then I'll like kind of do a little scouting report and like see if he thinks the same things, if he had the same thoughts. So just a fun way.
1: It sounds like there might be an avenue for coaching after playing. Yeah. Oh,
2: absolutely yes
1: i oh, love it already already knows it said absolutely yeah.
2: i got my it's funny i did like health and human sciences and like i wanted to be a nurse because my mom's a nurse so i wanted mm. to be like a uh, a labor and delivery nurse and now i'm like i got my master's for it and everything and i'm like i'm not even gonna use it now because i'm gonna go <laughs> probably after after the
1: i'm not sure how we combine the two things yeah but, <laughs> i mean it's good that you know at least it's good that you know
2: yeah, I don't think we can, but I do. I think I want to coach like my dad does.
1: Speaking on this this time with injuries and then also, you know, time with studying at USC, some great times, some, some tons of awards, conference awards, All-American as well, but also this Achilles injury, which took you out for a full year. And you talked about what that kind of that opportunity also presented in terms of growth away and being able to look at the game in a new way. How did you approach your time away from playing, though, besides this and, and, and you know, having starting to find that balance? Because when you're injured, it's very hard.
2: Yeah. So before I got injured, it it's like in, injuries never happen at a good time. But I think it actually was like the worst time to get injured because I was um, I was just doing really well. I was going to get called into like a camp and I actually was going to leave college and like go pro early. Like I had like steps and mm-hmm. I was literally that fall and then it happened so it kind of just it took me like a month after my injury because I was like in a really like not a good state to finally start looking at the positives and being like okay like I'm not going to be a soccer player now for a year so now I have to like look within and like I know that I'm more than a soccer player but do I actually know that and then mm-hmm. start doing things like we had a summer, we had the summer off. So I traveled a lot. Um, I went to Europe, watched a lot of soccer and I kind of fell in love with the game again because I think I was overworked up until my injury and like kind of burnt out a little bit, which I always promised myself I would never do. But I think when you're so caught up in things, you kind of like throw that out the window. So I think I finally, after my injury happened, I finally tuned in back with myself and um helped me kind of find myself again who am I um I'm more than just a soccer player all that so I think that it actually like silver lining with things kind of made me hungry then again to get back into things because I finally was not as burnt out
0: that's great
1: that statement that statement is like it's, it's funny when you said that like injuries never happen at a good time I feel like every injury that I've ever had just like flashed in my brain at that moment like that's I don't know if you. Were, I don't know if you meant to be that deep, but it's a it's a very deep sentence. It yeah,
2: i It it really. It, I mean, it's such a hard thing. So
0: yeah, there's something to I, that. I got to think more about that. Yeah, there's, there's,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it's nice. I like it, but I mean, hate the injury part of it, but the right the statement just rings true. I mean, did it? I mean, t- talking about that, like that relationship, and then feeling. You know, seeing the steps that you had in your career and your journey to pro and seeing it all lined out and then having this one roadblock. I mean, how what were what were some ways that you felt like the steps you were able to take to say, like, no, my professional career isn't over. Like, it's just this is just the time now and a new time will come.
2: Yeah, well, I think. Like, so I went to college close to home, so it was huge to have, like, my family with me during the process. And to everybody else, it, like, it looked like that. It looked like, okay, this is just, like, a little, or not a little, but this is, like, a big hole that we got to get out of. But to me, I thought it was the end of the world. Mm. Like, I think it's good to have those people that, like, believe in you, trust in you, because they're, like, oh, okay, like, this is happening, but, like, we, you, have you seen, like, what you've done? Like, you can get back there. And so I never really had, like, a huge injury too prior to this. Like, I I did – I, like, tore my quad, which is, like, not good. But, like, this was, like, my first, like, huge injury where I was out for, like – it was even longer than a year. It was, like, a year and a half, honestly, because it took so long to recover from. Um, but I think just, like I said, having those people – and then my coaches made it very well known that, like, listen, like, once you're back, you'll have one more year of eligibility, and then, like, just kill it that year. We'll get you ready. Um, we have the best, like – PT, like trainers here, like, you'll be fine. Just work on your mental side because that's what's going to like, that's what you can focus on right now. So I think just controlling the controllables was huge for me. And, um, but my coach still like, had me play a huge part of the team, which I think helped me mentally. I still felt like I was contributing in some way.
1: Hmm. And I mean, obviously we never want injuries to happen, but do you feel like without this injury, you wouldn't be as mentally strong as you are now to attack the professional game.
2: Oh, totally. I mean, like I, I never would sit, like but like I'm, I wouldn't like change what happened for anything. Like I think what everything that happened was meant to happen, and who knows where I would be now if it wasn't for that injury. So yeah. I'm just I'm grateful for all the lessons I learned, and then it happened at a also like a really weird time because right when I was coming back covid happened mm. so like i was trying so hard to get ready for a season that did not end up not happening so i actually had more time to then get back into shape get back like being confident on the ball so by the time season was there i was more than ready so kind of everything happens for a reason you know sort of thing mm. yeah
0: and how about the call up to the u.s women's national team having the balance of it's a dream come true yet I mean you're there to work and you're there for a reason and you have to prove yourself once you get there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's that's the hardest thing to get to is that national team level. I mean, in the US there is so much talent and so many people to choose from. So, when I was chosen, I just felt honored, but it was like that thing that happened when I got called, when I got drafted like you get I get super I got super pumped, but then I'm like, "Shoot, I'm going to play against Lindsay Horan, Rose LeVette, like all these players that I've grown up watching next week. So I got to like start working. So it's kind of like you're super proud of yourself and like a little like good job. Like this is a huge moment. But then like, okay, now it's like more expectations. Like we got to be ready, all that stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's like that pinnacle again, the hunger for more.
2: Yeah, no, I I mean, I think that's what makes like us like athletes and like soccer players like so elite is that when we reach our goals we actually already have new goals that we've been setting to like get to a higher spot you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm, we're yeah. kind of like we're never satisfied because we want what's next but that's what mm-hmm. makes us why we are like where we are
0: right yeah, yeah. exactly just enjoying the process with... of it exactly And once you get to a point you keep going in that direction we have a nice little quote here have a have a direction not an end point that's exactly that like you get to a spot but then it's okay now you have to go to that team and become the best player on that team and speaking of playing with such i mean these are some of the best players in the world what have you taken from from being in training with these women
2: yeah i mean it was just amped up like times 10 not even on the soccer field, but off the soccer field. I think I learned so much on what it truly is to be an elite professional athlete. Like, these girls are always in the treatment room. Always, like, they're watching film within that, like... And I talk to a lot of them. I'm like, so do you guys do this all the time? They're like, no, but when we're in camp, like, it is, like like, our main focus is getting ready for the World Cup. But then they also have these like balances and every- so it was really cool to see that even these elite players like invest all their time into soccer, but then they also find time to like do things that they love to do, like go coffee, go read a book, stuff like that. But on the soccer field, it's just like Lindsey Horan, Rose Lavelle, just watching them play my position. like I was just trying to learn as much as I could from these couple camps. And I think I did just where I want to be in the next year.
1: Who impressed you the most in terms of like the approach they took off the field and how much time they invested in the game?
2: Ooh, surprised me. I would say, I mean, I wasn't really surprised, but Becky Mm -hmm. Sauerbrunn, she spends like, she is so like, like when I think of like professional athlete, I think of her, like she does Mm -hmm. it perfectly to a T and I mean, she's older, and she was telling me, she's like, yeah, at your age, I had, not I like, I was doing it, but like, you just learn more and more about yourself as like this process goes on. So, but she does it to a T. Um, but Rose LaBelle does it like Lindsay Horan, Alex Moore, they're all like just elite professional athletes. And it was just so cool being able to spend that much time with them and learning from them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the thing, I mean, coming into a camp or coming into your first contract, the key for you, and what really helps you, kind of take the best out of the situation is to approach it like I'm going to learn as much as I can.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way I see it is I want to keep doing this for like probably another like ten years, maybe a little bit less. 10, nine to ten years. I'm like I'm twenty five.
1: <laughs> we don't have to put a put number, number on it. It's not no <laughs> putting no numbers on it.
2: I want to keep doing it for a while, and. Hmm. Um, I know that I just need to keep improving and like growing and I'm not going to get to the next level if I don't learn anything new within the next year. So if I can do anything, I can learn and I can just like put everything I have out there.
0: Love it. And reflecting on the journey right now, what things would you say helped you to get to this moment? So in other words, why did Savannah make it as a pro and why are you still a pro?
2: Ooh, why did I make it as a pro? See, I think like, hmm. why didn't I make it as a pro? I mean, I like to give a lot of credit to people that have like been with me on my journey. I know at the end of the day, like I'm the one that put in the work. I'm the one that does the stuff on the field, but I want to be Savannah Demello playing pro without my dad, my family, like my mom, my coaches, like I. I have, like I said, two younger sisters and I just know how much coaches can get in the way of someone loving a sport and reaching their true, like their best potential. So I'm just super grateful for my college coaches being the best. My dad being a, like my club coaches, I just was blessed to have great role models and coaches in my life. And I just don't think I would be where I'm at truly without them. And I don't think I would have gone had the potential that I do have without them. So I honestly think that's my... The reason I am where I am.
1: Love that. We're gonna head into some fast feet questions to lighten the mood at the end. Some quick fire ones with throughout the journey. So, the first one: favorite player growing up.
2: Ronaldo.
0: Ooh, quick one. Easy. Favorite moment like, in football. Yeah, go on. Wait, 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 wait. Actually, yeah. two. which Ronaldo? Cristiano? I'm imagining.
2: Yeah, just because Portuguese. Or my dad. Like my, I have two twin cousins, and they like. Had me believe that Ronaldo was my cousin.
0: Really? So, Just like as a joke, Portuguese. <laughs>
2: as a joke, you're port. We're Portuguese, and like in my area, we're the only i know. So I'm like, oh, for sure, like we are related. So I went to school <laughs> the next day, <laughs> and I had Ronaldo's jersey, and I said, oh, this is my cousin. And then my cousin stood up and said, you're lying. No, it's not. And like embarrassed me in front of the whole.
1: Oh, oh no.
2: I was traumatized by that, but that was just a little fun story. But yeah, Ronaldo. I like real well, Ronaldo,
1: If Ronaldo's listening right now, just if you could just send a jersey that says to my cuz Savannah, that would be that would be great.
2: Please, please. I, yeah. I've never. I literally I would. That's my like bucket list thing. I
0: mean, I mean he, he probably is listening. So you might get that in the mail soon. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <In my laughs> fingers,
0: <Yeah>. fingers crossed. <laughs> Favorite moment in football?
2: Mm. Favorite moment, probably when we won Concacaf. That was super cool. I think one of the first like real big moments I had in my career.
1: How about most difficult moment?
2: Mm-hmm. Tearing my Achilles, I think.
0: Yeah. Best advice you ever received?
2: Mm-hmm. Don't get too high on the highs and don't get too low on the lows. I think that's a one I to stick All with right. a lot.
1: Favorite place to travel?
2: Ooh, Azores, Portugal. Oh. oh, Or Hawaii is, like, my favorite, like, also a big one up there. Between those two.
0: Can't complain mm-hmm. with either.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Best player you've ever played with and against?
2: Ooh. Best player I have ever played with? Probably Malpeu. And then, because I would say, like, Rose, but we played, like, once together. So, I would say Mel, because it was more, I had a couple games with her, like, played with her for a year. Um, Against. Ooh. Um, shoot. I have no idea. Play against. That's a good one. Probably Roosevelt. That would be a good one. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah.
1: How about if you weren't a footballer, what would you be? Or you weren't a soccer player, what would you be?
2: Probably some sort of nurse.
0: Okay. My favorite book?
2: Mm. Undistracted by Bob Goff.
1: Undistracted by Bob Goff. Okay, cool. And any quotes or mantras that you personally live by?
2: Hmm. There's one that says, I think it's whatever you do, like do it with kindness. And I just think that's like a really it's it's like a longer one. But I think the point is like whatever you do, just do it in kindness. And I think that's just like huge with like today's day and everything going on, just doing everything, mm-hmm. do kindness in your heart
1: that's a good one couldn't agree more Savannah. we want to thank you so much for coming on we can't wait to see what the future holds what the season holds for you personally and for racing louisville and hopefully the women's national team again so thanks for coming on and we can't wait to see how it goes
2: thanks for having me
1: amazing stuff we're off the goalies we're off the goalies yeah we're We're off the goalies goalies. (laughs) goalie month goalie month or year was was great um but it was, it's great to talk to Savannah. We want to thank her and Racing Louisville for helping set it all up. And, uh, I mean, the mentality of it all, I think, is just something for young ballers to take, like, learning at every, at, at, at any turn, you know, the, the heights that she's been able to reach in, in her young career so far and still approaching as, like, I can't go anywhere more unless I learn. I think it's so easy once you accomplish a few things to be, like, a little bit on your high horse and a little bit thinking like, Oh, I know what I I'm doing because I've made it to this point. So what I have been doing is right. You know what I mean? Instead of looking at it as, Oh, it's gotten me here because I've been doing this. Can I use that to, to then take it a step further? And I think her mentality is going to bring her to, to, to big Heights. And I can't wait to see her this season and, and hopefully for the national team too.
0: Yeah, exactly. And she mentioned it many times, like when she goes into a new environment, it's just like, all right, how can I learn as much as possible, as quickly as possible and adjust? So I'm, I'm confident she's going to do the same thing at the women's full national team with the elite of the elite in the women's game. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in the world cup soon.
1: I love the balance of it all too. You know, it's like these relationships between identity as a soccer player, identity of being obsessed with the game, but also knowing like you got to unplug because it's, it just can't be healthy to think about it day in and day out and concentrate on the bad trainings or concentrating on the bad games and finding the identity away from it, away from the good press, away from the bad press. I think there were so many gems in this episode that she, the way she approaches the game both on and off the field, I think. And again, she said like there's some things that she's still learning how to do. There's still things she's learning how to, approach the game with it being a job and learning how to deal with it when it is stressful, when it's been her dream, you know, since she was young. And I think there's so many things that we can take in and some things that I took in just going into training a little bit later and some of the things she said. And yeah,
0: I loved it. Yeah. And with that, keep up the free support. It is free capital letters there. Like subscribe YouTube podcast review, Apple, Spotify, Spotify, Google Play. I don't know who listens to podcasts on Google Play, but it's out there.
1: It's out there. Yeah. Reach out. Keep reaching out for those consultations. Um, Transfer windows coming up. You guys have questions, want to reach out to us. We're always here. All we ask is for your email. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter, all that good stuff. Like Sean said, it's free. The support is there. It means a lot. And as we grow and start to collab with some other brands and other big names in US soccer and hopefully soccer abroad too you know, having you guys do some of those things that are basically simple and free um, means a lot. It helps a lot.
0: So until next time,
1: keep moving forward, keep learning and make your own path.